The Hot Take Hot Box. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Take Hot Box. It is Thursday, February 25th, 2021. There is much to talk about. My name is Matt McSweeney, by the way. Thank you for joining me. Plan on doing some. YouTube and others, like I said, other commentary and whatnot. And I've been working on <clears throat> different ways to do it and services and all the editing stuff that is involved in the behind the scenes. So I'm still working on that. But look for, you know, YouTube and you know, mainly be YouTube. And I've been twitching and stuff like that. Twitch <laughs> sounds like I'm like on drugs or something. But now I've been uh, Twitch streaming. Uh, playing Warzone, stuff like that. I'll be putting some UFC uh, video game stuff, some career stuff like I did before on the old game. But, you know, if you're not interested in that, you don't care. Hey, you know, I just wasted your time. But back to the sports. Uh, thoughts and prayers for Tiger Woods. Uh, hor- horrible car accident. We still don't know a lot. We know his leg, his right leg is, you know, badly, badly injured. The thing we should take out of this is that he's alive and he is, you know, reasonably well with his family and his family got this, you know, he, he's okay. So that's, that's the main thing. We'll talk about golf way down the road, you know, uh, that should be the very least of anyone's thoughts or concerns right now. It is just a human, this is a human situation that is, you know, most important. I would assume Tiger wouldn't want us to pity him, so I'm not going to waste any more, you know, time on that. I guess we probably would. I would like to talk about the Sixers first for probably the first time since I made made the old comeback here to the to the to the the hot box, the the take box. I you know I guess we should first talk about this past week and what the you know what are the vibes around the team we we usually you know when I usually talk about the Sixers I kind of recap the games and whatnot so I'll do that but I do want to talk about some of the you know little rumors and bigger overall problems that I'm starting not bigger not maybe problems but just you know the Raptors I was uh, that was worrisome the the situation this past week uh when we when I left you it was Thursday, and we were going into we had one, two, three games this week to talk about. Uh, we went two and one. First game was that Bulls game. Uh, Sixers win one twelve, one oh five, and Bead scores fifty. Simmons doesn't play, and Bead has fifty seventeen and five. Just absolutely dominant game. Dominated Wendell Carter. He was getting guys in foul trouble. He was going to the line. He had seventeen foul shots. Went fifteen to seventeen from the line. And Tobias even had 22 and 12. I mean, the, you know, the the team it was a game that we should have blown them out and been done with. That kind of we let them hang around for way too long, which is the a cardinal sin of the this Philadelphia 76ers team or this this team as it's as it's been for the uh, you know recent memory, I guess. We we have constantly not been able to put teams away or you know finish games blow teams out we combust at the end that's just something we've done it was they said it was a Brett Brown it was a Brett Brown thing and I you know I wanted to believe that but it 
seems like that's something that is just you know I don't know I I don't I I don't know if I'm sure if we knew what it was we'd be able to fix it and a coach would fix it by now but maybe it's just a a lack of uh I don't know just uh, not, I I it, I struggle to find the word that describes it because it I, I mean maybe uh, maybe there'll be some stat that will back back up the the opposite thinking or I don't you know but I'm I'm like dumb I'm dumbfounded by it because it, it's it's like a an all the time thing it feels like whether the team we play is bad or good they they make runs and they come back. I even look at the Lakers game where they had that huge lead, you know, and that's the Lakers. So you expect great teams to make good runs, you know, make runs like that. But the Chicago Bulls, they're no Los Angeles Lakers. Why, why is, why are things like that happening? Even the Raptors the other night, which I'll get to, but so the Bulls get Bulls game, you know, Embiid goes crazy. That's like the, that's his career high. That that's the coup de gras game. When you look back at the uh, you know the MVP season, it'll be the the fifty point game against Chicago. That'll be a game that we talk about, for, you know, because a career high is a career high. That's that's uh, that's incredible, and that's just another feather in the cap for the MVP uh, race. It seems like LeBron the last week's like dropped out of it with uh, them losing four games, and you know the MVP is so fickle though. It can go up and down and. It, it doesn't matter until they all those idiots vote at the end. What we say right now and what we even think doesn't even matter because those guys they every year they just create some narrative. Well, I guess it does matter what we think because we are uh, fans and we're all a part of creating the narrative and helping sway these guys. I guess to think a certain way and you know maybe they think that maybe it, it goes back and forth. All right, maybe that's a high, way hierarchical conversation that. Me at the take box is not ready to you know discuss, but they pick a guy every year that they want to make the you know the MVP that they want to knight as the as the guy. Okay, we we've talked about it on here before. LeBron won won four uh, MVPs, I think. I think he's a four time MVP, and he could have been a ten time MVP. You know, like it, he there's so many years where he could have like he, he continued to do the things that he was doing during his MVP seasons, but everyone grew accustomed to it. So it's like now we want we kind of want to give the award to someone else, not to say that those guys weren't deserving or worthy of that award. They they played a, you know, an incredible season, too, but everyone still thought that LeBron was the best player on Earth this year. LeBron is. You know they want they thought that this year was going to be the LeBron year, but there have been some tremendous seasons from other guys. Include I mean, most notably the big men. Now Jokic is making a run for this thing. We weren't even talking about it a couple weeks ago. I think Curry gets the same kind of treatment. Same thing with Giannis. Those guys are in the like pantheon of MVP winners, where they don't really you know your your seasons they don't really talk about. I mean, like guys like Harden. Harden will average like thirty four in a season. And it's like okay, great, good, good for you, which is amazing. That's that's an incredible feat to be averaging that many points in a in an NBA professional basketball game. But you know, nonetheless, who is going to win the MVP? Who who is the what? Where is the narrative spitting this year? And I think Embiid's got a great chance, but something tell there's so well. Something tells me there's a lot of time because there's a lot of time, but something tells me they do not want to give it to him 
and that they will find reasons to not give it to him. They'll they'll blame things like he sat out lot, you know, he sat out some missed some time and he doesn't play back because there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs. Suppose the new schedule came out, and I believe there's seven to eight back-to-backs in this uh, schedule to finish the season, which isn't obviously not good for the Sixers. We especially, it's not good for any team, but it's 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 especially not good for us with the whole Embiid situation and us trying to save him for you know the playoffs and longer periods of time. So I guess we will see. In regards to the the MVP race, Jokic has been playing incredible. The ball is in his hands all the time. There are stats about usage rate. I saw a yeah. The, to me though, I could. That's another conversation where I can just sit there and talk about how the stat like you can find. Like I I, I will continue to rail on this on this podcast. The you can find any stat you want to make anyone think anything. Like you can find a stat that that's on your side. To, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what, you can find a stat that'll make you think that Embiid's going to win the MVP. You'll find a stat that thinks makes you think LeBron. You know whether he's all like the assistant. You know what I'm saying? Like PER and win shares, and there's just different stuff with true shoot. Like there's so much different stats that are used today that it it may, it'll make your head spin. But it, it's a combination of everything. It's the stats. And it's what you matter. You're the are you the most valuable player? What do you mean to your team? Are you making that big of a difference? So that discussion will be had, and it will be continue to have, have be had until June or whenever they you know whenever they're going to give out the MVP. They give out the MVP so goddamn late anymore. By the time they give it out, no one cares, and everyone already knows who's going to win. So maybe this year. Maybe this year we won't know by the time that comes around. And the, the there'll be a little bit of intrigue heading into the uh, award show. I'm sure they would love that to actually get people to watch it and maybe get people to go to it. Because they, they they can never get any of these guys to go to the actual event. They have it. You know, uh, whatever. Who cares, right? I'm wasting more time on it than they even did in planning and thinking about it, it seems like. Because why the hell would you have it after, like, way after the season? I know you think you're going to get all these people to go. Like, it's going to be the Oscar of uh, the Oscars of basketball, or you know, the Grammys or something, where they're all going to sit there and celebrate their great achievements. Not a lot of those guys don't care. They just want, you know, they just want to. They just want to play ball. They don't want to get on a plane and watch some other guy win an award. Guys like Devin Booker and stuff like that. They don't feel like you know, like they probably feel uh, gypped enough by some of these guys, but. Anyway, I don't know why I'm like I'm I'm in a ranty mood today. Kind of, I just am no jumping off on di- on different stuff. I want to talk about that Raptors game. Let's go back to the back to the Sixers and the whole you know schedule and whatnot. Sixers lost to the Raptors one ten to one hundred three on I believe it was Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, Embiid another bad another bad game from Embiid, which <clears throat> I should you know. In Embiid terms, I should say, I should preface that twenty-five and seventeen is not a bad game for anyone else. But you know, when you shoot six of twenty, and you know, you're just you, you just you know, not as dominant as we're we've been we've been used to and grown accustomed to. It you know, it's it, it you notice it, and the Raptors really know how to guard it, Joel, and Joel is struggles against them one hundred percent. And I always thought it was something to do with Marcus Saul, but. 
I think it's a absolute. You see when he gets the ball and he as soon as he turns his back or makes a movement that they are sending double teams at him and from different from different places, you know, on on multiple occasions. I mean, you, when you just have a lot of great, uh, uh, like a great culture and a, just a great defensive minded just way of like uh, you know. I'm, Again, struggling to find the words. Of course, as a podcaster, you know this is this is a problem. Not gonna lie. Nah, I'm just kidding. But you, them as a team, it's like it's not one guy that's stopping Embiid. It's not they don't have a center. Like it's not Chris Boucher who's shutting them down, or you know, like it, it like like we said before, Gasol. Gasol was able to body him up, but it's not, there's not like one guy anymore that's just getting it done. Like you can see when Embiid makes like. You you've all watched the games when he makes that first move. There's guys coming for him, and then when the double team comes, he still makes sloppy plays. He's very careless with the ball. Still, that's that's just Embiid. That's just it, what I've grown to. You know, no, I keep growing to know stuff, but and, and growing accustomed to stuff. But you know what I've learned as the time is going on. That's just who he is. He's you know he'll get better at it, but he's always going to be sloppy and careless with the, with the basketball. That's that's a part of him. Uh, same thing when you look at a guy like Ben and you say, okay, well, you know, this is just who he is and he's, you know, he's not going to be a shooter. He's not going to be this triumphant offensive player, but he can, he can be aggressive and he can make an impact on, on, on the, on the scoreboard. And when he chooses to, when he chooses to play downhill and in, when he wants to have a great offense, like it just seems like he decides when he comes out this, like, I'm going to attack the rim. Because obviously it's the only way you're gonna score, dude. Go, just keep, keep going at them, keep, and that will that will open up everything for everyone. That'll open up Steph Curry, th- uh, Steph Curry, Seth Curry threes. That'll open up you know Corkmaz, Milton, and especially Embiid. That'll just open up the 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 room for Embiid because when he can you know drive in when he drives in he beats his guy whatever. They'll have to come off Embiid, come off other guys, and it'll leave them open. But when you're just a point guard who, you know, dumps it down and goes and stands over on the elbow and, you know, cuts from time to time, that, you know, real it, it, lim- it limits us and it limits him. So, that, he had, and kind of the segue, he had 28 in that game. You know, that that, that was a game where you, you saw it and you were like, dude, this is what we need, bro. Went to the line 14 times, made 10 of them. That that's a th- I think that's always been a thing for him. I think he's scared to go to the line because... That's just you know, it's the the I think it's the shooting thing. I don't think he likes to shoot. I don't think he. I think he feels embarrassed. I think you know there's a lot of uh, mental elements involved in in the jump shot there, obviously. So I think he tries to you know shy away from that, and in games like that, when you see him not shy away from it and go right at it, you can you see you see twenty eight nine and five, and you're like, that's like Le- you know that's LeBron numbers, that you know. You know what I'm saying, though. Like that's those are those are incredible numbers. That's a, that's a great performance by Ben Simmons and a performance that we could see, you know, more frequently. I you know you see the 42 point game. You look at his last couple games. 15. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the next Toronto game. But he had 15 in the uh, the most recent Toronto game. He had 28, 42. Like that was a string of two games where you saw it. And I loved it. 
I keep hitting the mic. Sorry if that's if that's really annoying, but the the springs kind of like rattle back and forth when I move it or when I, you know, hit it whatnot. Other than that, in that game, I didn't. You know, that that was just a loss, an ugly loss where you you saw we don't shoot. We you know I I, I forget what the the three point numbers were that night. Let me see because it seems like a lot of times. When we lose these games, we just get outshot by th- from three. But it wasn't really 11 for 37, 14 for 34. I mean, 30% is not going to cut it. You know, they shot 41%. We shot 30%. We do miss a lot, a lot, a lot of open threes. And you just have to, you have to hope and imagine that they're, you know, that's a bad night. And they're going to fall. They will fall. You know, that that's just the belief you have to have when you you, you have great shooters out there. We've seen them make them time and time again. You gotta believe that they're gonna make them when the time comes. And yeah, as we've said on this podcast for weeks and you know, month, almost a month now, I wake me up when the playoffs start. That that's where where I'm at. These this roller coaster in the regular season, it seems to me like it's a, like one of those kitty roller coasters in the Ocean City uh, you know, boardwalk like one of the wonderland roller coasters where it's like yee but you know you're not really in fear you don't ever think you're you're actually going to fly out of the thing worried for your life that's you know that's a good roller coaster where you know you think you know you've seen people do it you think it's safe but when you're in there you're like oh this is this is getting a little this is getting a little shady regular season for this for a team like the sixers it's not it's nothing like that next game the sixers won that one uh and they were pretty they had a lead for a long portion of that game they tried to blow it at the end danny green was absolutely horrendous horrendous he was all absolutely horrible and be bad again three for 13 18 12 and 2 uh 11 to 12 from the free throw line that was the only source of income for that guy toby had 23 Ben five and eleven, you know, five for eleven, fifteen points, nine seven. That's kind of more the Ben that we're used to. I didn't really specifically notice him, you know, in that game. He, he just that that was like the typical Ben. I, that's not the aggressive Ben. That's the Ben, you know, Ben the vintage Ben, as you should say. Which that's not a you know, it's not a bad game, but it's I, it. The thing, the, and I'll we'll continue to talk about this. Just you know, I I don't make you. I if, oh god, I get so frustrated when I talk about Ben Simmons. But I get so mad because I feel like that guy could be so much better than he is, and he just is like, I I is it scared? I don't know. I feel like that's offensive to say, but it just seems like that to me, like that he's scared to take the chances and put himself out there and possibly fail. You know, and make it and put it on him. I, I, that's just my my inclining. But it just, I feel like we could, he could, we could go to another level if that guy was just willing to go, just attack, just be in. You know, like a guy maybe like think about like a guy like Russell Westbrook. Just a, if he had a little, little, little bit of that, a little bit of just insane aggressiveness, and you see bursts of it. Where you're like, wow. Like, he comes down the lane, slams it, starts screaming. You're like, whoa. Where did that come from? And then other times you just see him, like, he he dribbles all the way into the paint, jumps, and throws a, a backwards pass out to Embiid. So now Embiid has to run the offense. That's not, you know, that's not what I'm looking for. 
Not when you're my second best player and you're my all-star. You can do those other things and attack. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. You can blend the two. So that you know that game was a little more disappointing in, as, in regards to Simmons. Cork Maz was going off early on. Corkmaz shot 11 threes, dude, but he yeah, like he was heat checking for the rest of the night after I think he started I don't remember how many points he started the game with, but he was like once they put him in, I think he started if I remember correctly. But I don't know. It does, I you know like I said I talk about the uh the fucking what's it called? The regular season, how it doesn't, you know, it honestly doesn't really matter. But yeah, Furcon did start. I just wanted to look that up. But Danny Green, that's, that's yeah, they got to get Danny Green out of the lineup in some of those games. You know, like when it comes down to the end, they he cannot handle the ball at all. And if Ben or someone else is going to be like not, uh, is going to be hesitant to take over at the end, then they need to get someone who wants the ball to, you know, shoot the free throws or just make the right decision because. Danny Green was just, as soon as they got the ball, it was like a hot potato. He wasn't even, like, thinking. He was making, like, grade school, uh, when when they would press on you and you were just feeling the heat, you would just throw a cross, like, cross-court passes and a press don't work. They just, you know, that's basketball one-on-one. You'll, you'll see it during the tournament in March. When just these teams to, that aren't used to getting pressed, they get pressed and they're just, like, they just start making the the most ridiculous decisions you've ever seen, and you're and you're thinking, wow, like that's like I was thinking, Danny Green. I mean, he's probably not used to it, and whatever, make the excuses, whatever you want. But that guy melted to a full court press. And he's a professional basketball player. He's won multiple championships. That was just you know kind of mind blowing to me. Wait, we're counting on you. You're supposed to be our, you know, like i do not even counting on him. Like, you're just supposed to be a, a like a veteran, a professional athlete. That's like rookie mistakes that you, you could blame on being a rookie, but he just can't dribble. He's really, he's really bad at doing anything offensive other than catching the ball and shooting it and maybe playing a little defense. But it seems apparent from these games that the Sixers do need something else. They need one more piece, one more legitimate piece, preferably a guard. And now you guys probably know the name I'm going to talk about in a little bit because that's, you know, sort of been the rumors. But I do just want to talk about the games in the coming week um, for the Sixers. Actually, you know what? We'll talk about – well, you know what? Nah. Uh, audible. audible. Kill, kill, audible. Audible. All right. So we got the Mavs tonight on TNT. Uh, no word on who's playing and whatnot yet because it's only like – one o'clock here on the East Coast for any of my West Coasters. <laughs> Fucking gnarly. Um, Cavs. Got the Cavs on Saturday. Pacers. 15 and 15. Cavs are 12 and 21. And then the Jazz at home. So that'll be the one we look forward to. Uh, Thursday, the, this game tonight is obviously a big game. Just get to see them match up against Luka and the poor Zing God. But, you know, when you... Uh, I mean, it's nice to match up against some of these West Coast teams, but they're still... Those guys, are, they're not a playoff team yet. They're still 15 and 15. They're, you know, they're battling themselves. So, I really want to see the Sixers against them, the Jazz again at full strength. That's what I. That's what I really want to see. I want to see them. 
battle it out against the best team and you know the best team record wise in the league and let's see who the best is let's see where we match up i believe last game mb didn't play against the the jazz i want to say if if i'm wrong i don't even feel like looking it up one of mb or simmons didn't play and i believe it was mb because we wanted to see him match up against gobert so we'll see we'll see we will see oh uh, we will now on to a little bit of trade. Uh the you know, the the trade deadlines I believe March twenty seventh for the for the NBA. And the name uh we keep hearing and that's now being circulated and uh Sports Illustrated just came out with an article today saying that the Raptors are looking to trade Kyle Lowry and they're looking to trade him, you know, to a uh to a place that he would desire to go. And if you put two and two together, you know, being a Philadelphia man himself, Kyle Lowry, who is 34 years old, would probably look to come here. And I I see guys like Elliot Shore Parks, you know, I don't know why that's being put on my feed. You know, it's not my fault, but I'm seeing it, you know. So I, I have an opinion. When I see something, I instantly have an opinion. So my opinion on... You know, he says something along the lines of, well, you know, I don't want him. You know, I'm not going to give away good players to for a one year uh, of, of, you know, or to being forced into signing Kyle Lowry to a bad contract. And I don't think you're forced to do anything. You're trying to win this year right now. You want you want the Sixers to win the NBA championship in 2021. This is the closest we've been. And, you know. The the Butler Butler Sixers and the you know, the Kawhi shot that's the closest we've been and you know it it's felt like since then it's like wow is that the closest we're ever gonna get Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Semifinals but this year it's like restored hope and they have a, a very good team but and they have a better bench than say maybe the Nets or you know, the Celtics or teams like that that they're matching up against. So they need to make they need to make a move. They need to go out and get they need to go out and get what they like get a get a legitimate bench piece or star like, you know, if you were to get Kyle Lowry, he's he's a starter now, you know? Like it it, it takes that's the guy we've talked about on this podcast multiple times. The guy that takes the ball out of Ben's hands. Not all every possession. You know, neither one of those guys would have to be the point guard every possession. But it it gives you options. It gives you something to do. Like I just talked about at the end of the game, someone to beat the press. You have you would have two legitimate ball handlers on the floor at the end of the game. Kyle Lowry, you know, he's older, a little slower. But don't you think that that guy can help this team? Don't you think that he he can give us better minutes than maybe Danny Green, maybe Shake Milton. No, if you don't feel that way, that's fine. But you can't tell me he wouldn't help help the team. But the problem would be now what what would we pay for him and what what would be the price? Now, I would say something along the lines of now would you give up Maxi? That's you know Thibault. Picks. I imagine there's going to be multiple first-round picks involved, which doesn't really matter to us because 
Those guys don't, you know, the end of the first round, you know, whatever. If you're getting a, a maybe, you know, maybe not. I, I probably wouldn't give up multiple first round picks for an expiring contract now that I think about it. So it's just gonna it's gonna be a have to be a lot of gonna have to be a lot of like uh, soul searching and just haggling over the price to figure out what what's gonna be what's gonna work out for both teams what 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 do the Raptors want to do and what do this what do the Sixers want to do you know like are the Sixers I I feel like that there's a path though when I saw that this morning I really that I it's like the Raptors want to give him to a team that he prefers to go to. All we would have to do at that point is pay the price, because if the Raptors aren't, re- I, I can't imagine they're going to squeeze that much out. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not going to get much for him. He's not an, ex- a, you know, an extremely valuable. He's not James Harden. He's not Bradley Beal. He's the two a tier or two below that, where, you know, older, but still very, very, very capable. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like the, the it, it's gonna be up to both these teams to figure out you know what 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 do they think the price is because the price is what they decide it is that's with anything in in the, in the world you we can like we argued about the Carson Wentz trade but the Carson Wentz trade was was a you know the va- they got the value the value was based on what what was going on yeah and it always it, you know I I guess that's a such a typical you know thing to say or whatnot but you know it's just like we those these teams decide the value maybe we may think you know you're you may think a player is more valuable than another team does but you know you're not going to get that first round pick if that team doesn't you know think he's worth a first round pick they don't have to give you that they're going to sit there and try to you know well you're not getting any offers from no one else we'll give you this so i feel like the sixers could definitely get lowry for a you know an affordable price i see a lot of trade machine stuff with uh, you know that with them to make the money work with Mike Scott and and uh, Danny Green's included and guys like that so I maybe they can make it work and I really do hope so uh, I've talked about JJ Redick and Malik maybe Malik Beasley I haven't talked about him on here but that's a guy that uh, we've been looking for you know me and my buddies we talk about could could help the team just purely off of his skill set we need a guy who we talked about can handle the ball and shoot and play a little defense and Lowry is a special case though that's not really like what we would be going out in the market looking for is like a ball a point guard but it's I think I mean that's absolutely what we need right now and and the thing I love most about it is that we're not tied to him for multiple years we we can you know it's a one and done thing so I Again, not give up anything too valuable, but and more conversations about giving up Max. You know, I would people saying they wouldn't give up Maxi if it, you know for whatever because you know they think he's going to be a great player. Whatever, I think you do have to really consider giving him up uh, in, in in the right deal. I would uh, like I you know like we like I've said and stated multiple times in here. I wouldn't give him away for you know pennies on the dollar or whatnot, but I would. I would search or I would consider giving him up for, you know, a more a player who's farther along who can help you this year because I really do believe you have to you have to go for it. You cannot sit around and and think next year is going to be better or that well don't worry we there's always next year there's we cannot we cannot think like that. 
some of these other sports have shown you the Eagles just won the Super Bowl in 2017 and we're an absolute shambles three years later and we all you know you asked me that day I 100% thought we would have got back and I guarantee you would not have told you that Carson Wentz was going to be gone so tomorrow is not promised we have no idea what to expect so I believe you have to you gotta you gotta 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 consider it and I think you got to do it. Moving on. Talk a little bit about uh, Eagles and Carson Wentz and whatnot. Not really uh, too keen on the draft right now. Now there's discussions about whether we should take a quarterback or not. And I think a lot of people are shooting that down So you know, a little too quickly. I'm not against it, but I'm not, not necessarily pining for or pushing for it, you know? I'd probably prefer them to take a wide receiver. Really would like that. Penn Isua, really want that left tackle. I doubt he falls. Bengals should pick him if he even gets to them. Miami will consider a wide receiver. Or quarterback, honestly. Even though they picked Tua high last year, he, you know, they did bench him. So, who knows if they, yeah, who yeah, who cares, honestly? Who cares about Miami? I more want to talk about the Eagles. Maybe wide receiver. Doubt it's going to be defense. And I feel like if it's, quarter, it's either quarterback or wide receiver, that's what it seems like the conversation is. It's it's going to be one of those. And which wide receiver, it, it, you know, that, that discussion is a whole other thing in itself. Chase, Smith, or Waddle. Where I rank on them. I to me like if you're gonna rank them into levels, Chase was the number one wide receiver before all of this. So you all you have to do is base off of his 2019, I think, or you know, yeah, right, 2019, uh, tape and stats, and he was incredible. I'm just watching those games and big and huge in the biggest games of the season. He he was just like I mean, obviously Burrow was incredible, but he he was getting open and he was. You know, like these balls were being put right in his lap, and he was, you know, I feel like I'm pitting Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase against each other, but they're both great players, and success had, you know, had a lot to do with one another, whatever. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm like so ranty today. It's just like I want to just go into like these different avenues, and I'm walking down the street, and I see a dark alley of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow discussion. I want to go down there, you know? What the Eagles do? I didn't really want to talk too much about like the Eagles draft and whatnot. I did want to just talk talk about the thing I saw about Carson. Um, Jason Avant came out and said that the Carson Wentz, like the strife between the two <clears throat> sides, started in 2018 when he got benched after the Cowboy game. There were six and seven. He got benched. It was like a sneak benching. We, I should say, he was, you know. Done for the season with a back injury. But the way they're making it sound is that it was like a sneak benching. I'm reading this off Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, in 2018, this is where the mindset of Carson to me, which is to Jason Avant with the organization change. This is, you know, so this is purely speculation after that, but it is something to think about. They were not going to make, they were not going to the playoffs. Carson was dealing with the back issue and he was playing through injury. Carson wanted to play. The organization chose against Carson wishes, Carson's wishes to play Nick Foles. Nick Foles then revives the season. 
Okay, and then uh, a bleeding green note says the Eagles never actually put Wentz on injured reserve in 2018. I've heard some of the I've I've heard some use the term stealth benching to describe that 2018 situation. So that's just another whole wrinkle to that situation, and I, I would love to have a whole diatribe on that, but I I'm just very tired of it. I you know I and this article does talk about how it's a mix between the two. It's not like the you know. One's not an asshole. Like, Carson wasn't a raging lunatic asshole douchebag. He was, you know, he was a guy who had problems. He was a little this or that or, you know, the people have had their things to say about him. But he wasn't a horrible guy. But he wasn't, you know, he's he's a nice guy, but maybe not the greatest teammate. Maybe not the best to play, you know, play sports with. So, that, that that's the thing, you know. I have friends when I play sports with them. I, I, I fucking hate them. I can't stand them. They're the worst, you know. That's just... just that's just how it is, but I still love them, you know. So I, th- I think that's that. That's a lot, a lot to do with this Carson situation. The people are going to talk about him. They're going to talk about him like they love him because he's probably a great guy. But you know, as a teammate, maybe maybe that situation is a little different. And for me, if he really feels a certain way about that, then he's out of his mind because he was not playing well at that time, and he was just getting beat up. They were trying to have his best interest at heart. And it seems like he's very hard, you know. Well, we're not we're not going down this road. I'm not gonna talk about them over. Our, I'm not talking about Carson. And I'm not giving him any more of my energy and breath until football season, when I will continually root against him while rooting that he plays 75 percent of the snaps or 70. Either one works for me because I think the Colts are gonna make the playoffs. So I think we're getting that first round pick either way. I mean, you know, unless he gets hurt. Now, if he gets hurt different story but moving on the eagle the eagles we have so much time between now and anything relevant you know there's a couple weeks before the 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 league year i'm pretty sure doesn't start until mid-march and free agency doesn't start until you know a little bit before a little bit after that or i think it's beginning of march i'm not sure exactly but uh to me right now it's not not at the forefront of my mind uh this you know i'm really looking at the sixers i'm really looking at the you know uh starting to get excited about the Phillies, but the Phillies are still in that situation for me. They're a little bit, you know, down the road. This is kind of like the lean months of, uh, of sports. You know, this is, this starts a little bit of a, uh, you know, it's now. And then, you know, not that there's not a lot of games happening, but this is like where like the meaningful games, like don't really, you know, like, cause then it kicks up around, April, the playoffs for hockey and basketball start, and then they go till June usually. And then there's another, you know, lean, you know, July, August, you know, sort of months. But then September, October kick up. Baseball is at finishing up, and it's starting to, you know, wind, the 162-game season's winding down, so every game is starting to, you know, mean a little more. You're tuning in, you're watching. Football is, you know, football is king. Football is paramount, so you're watching that on Saturdays and Sundays. And, you know, for me, and a lot of people, other people aren't, you're, you're watching UFC. You're watching UFC every weekend because they never, they n- never disappoint. And it always delivers. Whether it's, you know, any sort of MMA. If it's Bellator, I watch all that. There's bo- there's going to be boxing this weekend. Uh, I believe Canelo Alvarez is fighting. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he fights Saturday night. Can- Saul Canelo Alvarez, as Jimmy Lennon Jr. would say. Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, that's my Jimmy Lennon. Um, so 
wanted to talk about this past weekend's UFC, which was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, let's start. No, no, don't. As we always say, don't bury the lead. Derek Lewis knocked Curtis Blades stiff in an incredible upset. They said the biggest upset in a UFC main event since Luke Rockhold got knocked out by Michael the Count Bisping at UFC 199. And this was pretty incredible. Uh, Blades, it seemed to me, he looked good, and he was doing his thing against Derek Lewis, but the, the thing about Derek Lewis, and it's unlike any other fighter that we've ever seen where we always talk about, it only takes one. With Derek Lewis, it truly only takes one. And in Ganu and stuff like that, and... They, those are guys are great punchers, and I think DC talked about this as much on on the podcast this week uh, on the DC and Hawani. Like that, that, there's a reason that Ngannou is backing up fighting Derek Lewis, and Der- Derek Lewis has a, unbelievable power. He he was even saying it because he fought him that the shots on his arms and just like even s- simple stuff like that, like his kicks, like if everything Derek Lewis does hurts, and it hurts a lot. So. Imagine him landing a bomb uppercut as you're shooting a takedown. I mean that that punch it it seemed like it clipped the chin and just like it just kept going like punched him right through the chin into the chest and just knocked him stiff and finished him up with a couple more punches after that and that was nighty night for Curtis. It, it, he was out for a while. Derek Lewis catches the plus three thirty, which is you know. Awesome. I, I cashed out myself a little uh, Derek Lewis TKO plus 440. I think I might have said it on the podcast. If not, I'm sorry. But we, we did cash out on that. Uh, I, it was It's electric. When those, those main event, when the heavyweight main events are going on, it's absolutely electric because you never know what's going to happen next. We'll talk about a UFC main event that's going to be next week. So, I mean, on, on, the, on the Blades fight, not much, you know. I mean, that, that Derek Lewis, now, the heavyweight situation is you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait until these two fight, and then you're probably going to have to wait until John Jones fights. But Derek Lewis just, like he was saying, he was up for a contract pretty soon, and if he planned on fighting in the UFC and making more money, he's going to have to do some spectacular shit. And knocking out Curtis Blade stiff in the second round is some pretty spectacular shit. So, I, I, I mean, hats off to the Black Beast. I, like I said, look forward. I don't think you're going to see him for a while. It's and maybe his next fight is for the title. Could be, because Blades was going to wait around, and you finish dudes like that. But who knows, you know? And we'll, we will figure it out. Yana Kunitskaya defeated Ketlin Vieira by a unanimous decision. <clears throat> Ketlin was not throwing a lot of offense and was very just uh, okay with being on her back and trying to, you know, pull not pull guard, but like. Uh, you know, work from her full guard and try to, you know, get submissions. And Yana was just very keen to it and just stayed, it, kept herself out of harm's way pretty much and was able to just dominate the fight. Whether, wherever it needed to go, she just made it a brawl, made it ugly, and just, she won. She was plus 220. Absolute, you know, absolute heater of a parlay there at the end. I I, I didn't have uh, Kunitskaya. I did not think she was going to, you know, did not think she was going to win. But God bless and salute to to Yana. You know she she got it done. Caitlin very very much disappointed me, but you know you got to give credit where credit's due. Derek Miner dominated Charles Rosa, absolutely dominated him in every facet of the game, which was extremely shocking and like disappointing. 
I I, I thought more of uh, the Boston Strong Charles Rosa, but that goes to show it goes to show me I, I shouldn't be betting these Boston fighters. They they they've been on a pretty bad uh, run for the most for you know for the most part. Yeah, you know, including Cal. I believe Calvin Cater's a a mass guy. So we're we're looking for you know maybe the streak's got to end soon. Maybe I will keep firing these Boston guys and ho- hope it works out for me because I I need it. 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 I need to keep hitting. Uh, Chris Dawkins. Speaking of uh, you know Boston, uh, why don't we bring it back to Philly? Chris Dawkins knocked out Alexi the boa constrictor Olenek. I think I see yeah right the boa constrictor. I love I love Olenek. He that guy's oh he got hit his eyes started maybe it might be time after like seven thousand four hundred and sixty five professional fights I think it might be time for for uh, Olenek to call it quits dude just you know enough is enough right how many times do you have to go to sleep uh, you know he's had a great career but these last couple fights I mean he got knocked out by Derek Lewis and he got knocked out by Chris Dawkins it's only gonna get bad it's only gonna go downhill from here. You're going to have to keep fighting these young killers coming up, these young bomb-throwing heavyweights. Good luck, dude. Uh, Phil Hall's beat uh, Nasreddin Imarov. Imavov. Oh, my God, dude. I beefed that name. I didn't really watch that fight, so I didn't get the – I didn't. Bruce didn't let me know how the you know the proper way to say it. I always need to be reminded. Uh, Tom Aspinall defeated uh, Andre Arlovsky. He fucking took him down in the second round, got him with that uh, choke. I was up for a parlay win. My parlay was about to hit, but – Oh, sorry, dude. Heads hit that thing again. But my parlay was for uh, TKO, and he subbed them, which was brutal because the sub was probably like, I don't know if it was 1,200 or 2,000. It was like crazy. No one had him to sub. And he got right on his, in on his neck as he was like panicking to try to get up, and Arlovsky tapped right away because he knew I'm beat. <clears throat> so, on to the prelims. Jared, Jared Gordon dominated Danny Chavez all over the, uh, all over the, um, the ring or the uh, octagon. In every facet of the game, was keen to the jujitsu, and he just you know took him down when he needed to, beat him up on the feet. And Chavez seems to have a, like a problem with gassing. He's gassed a, a lot the last couple time, times I've seen. Well, the last two times I've seen him out. Uh, I don't remember who he fought that first time, but he, I want to say he had a good first two rounds and then gassed out in the third, and he had already racked up enough to win the win the fight. But he was like. It's just you know that's a problem when you're fighting. You know you're there's 15 minutes to the fight for a reason. You're you're in extreme danger if your energy is just depleting and the guy is getting stronger and stronger. You know, or, or even staying the same where he's built to stay in there for the for the whole for the whole distance. Uh, John Castaneda beat uh, Eddie Wineland. Yeah, he knocked him out pretty pretty bad too. Uh, Eddie Eddie's a guy who you just want to see. Be done with it, man. You're tired of watching them get knocked out. You're tired of just seeing that. It gets. It looks ugly, man. It looks ugly in there. I mean, what was this? This was the first round? Yeah, at very end of the first round. And he was. He looked lost. O'Malley knocked him stiff. Uh, you know, he's got, he knocked out Grieger Popov in 2019. But, you know, loss, loss, win, win, loss. Loss. There's a there's a lot. It's not none of it's good. Fighting a lot of killers and journeymen and stuff like that. And I don't know. I just don't like. Maybe I'm being a little too hard on him. I just named his record and he was. You know, there's some wins in there, but a lot of that was a long time ago. I just don't like seeing that guy get knocked out like that over and over again. But you know, it's his life. It's his career. 
Julian Arosa defeated Nate Landwehr with that flying knee. That was crazy. I ha- I actually did have that. I don't know a couple of the. I don't want to give all these picks out because I'm not confident in most of these. I'm just I'm firing these these you know these parlays because why not? Uh, and that was my first bet of the night. The uh, Arosa, the Castaneda, and I had Green, but the Aspinall thing screwed me. I should have just taken Aspinall. I mean, he was a big favorite, but. I still would have cashed for some for some green, some green from Fanduel. But overall, I was very you know I I love the you know I'm, I'm obviously biased. I love that that car. I'll tell you when a card is trash or when I was bored or when I didn't like it. And I I I enjoyed the card. There's lots of finishes, a lot of exciting fights. So it's all you can ask for, dude. And these fights are you know relatively free. I pay for the ESPN Plus anyway, so. Gives me something to watch every Saturday night and something to look forward to. I lo- I love having UFC every weekend. I can't tell you how much I love it. it. Doesn't have to be a big fight every weekend, but you know, it just all of it's just appetizer, appetizer until you get to the full the full course meal, which you know is UFC 259 in a couple weeks. I'm gonna do a big. I'm doing a big show for that. I'll do a big preview show. We'll break it down from beginning to end. We'll do all the bets. We'll do all everything. That'll be a uh, little bonus episode that comes out sometime that week. I would imagine I'm going to do it probably that Thursday. Uh, it'll be the same day as I'll do the other pot. You know, we'll figure it out. But um, I'll, I want to probably release that pot maybe Wednesday. I'll, I'll do that earlier in the week so that we can really figure out, you know, what's going on and read the lines and whatnot. I'm, I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about. I'm just a douchebag. Next week, though, we got Rosenstruck and uh, Cyril Gane, which is a gr- another great heavyweight fight. I don't know where I'm leaning. I, I Cyril Gane has only got seven fights. I mean, you know, like that's that's not a lot, and that's extremely green. And but Rosenstruck's pretty green himself, not fight wise. He's had a ton of kickboxing. But he's got only got twelve mixed martial arts fights. But that's you know it's almost double what Cyril has, and Cyril's a big time favorite. Who you know Cyril did just finish uh, JDS, but so did so did Rosenstruck. So I think I think I'm gonna bet Rosenstruck here. I'm gonna probably bet probably T maybe maybe TKO. But the TKO might, I you know, you never know how this fight's going to go. So I probably will TKO and 225 right now. I, I like, ah, man, this is tough. Plus 310 for the TKO. Cyril Gane is plus 160 TKO. So there's a lot to play around with. I just think, I mean, listen. There's no, no saying Gane can't win, but I know you know if you like watching it, if you listen to this thing before, if you know me, I, I like dabbling with a little bit of underdogs. That that plus two that plus two hundred range is is tasty to me. I can you know double my money pretty much, or you know three times my money. I can put up twenty, and, and they give them they're handing me forty eight back or sixty eight back, including my twenty. Hell yeah, hell yeah, I want to do that. I'm in. So, you know, you you tell me what you want to do, all right? I'm not giving you an official pick other than, I, you know what, I am. I'm giving you Rosenstruck Moneyline. Don't be greedy. Plus 225. Magomed Ankalev 
versus Nikita Krylov. This is a uh, plus 285 for Krylov. Ankalev, minus 375. Ankalev is a beast. I have no official pick on this one other than maybe Magomed TKO, minus 110. Or like a Magomed points. Magomed points plus 290 if if Krylov can stay in there. I don't... Magomed has heavy hands, if you as you saw from that uh, Ion Kutaliba fight. So, betting for someone to stay in a fight with that guy, I don't know. Montagna De La Rosa and Myra, Maria Bueno Silva. I know nothing about these girls, to be honest, other than Montana. I don't know nothing about Bueno Silva. So, I would be do the earnest thing and stay away for now. But I probably will bet De La Rosa. If I had to guess. Uh, Rivera and Munoz. I'm going to probably take Jimmy Rivera here. Munoz is a little too sloppy. And he's not that powerful. That he wasn't able to put Frankie Edgar down. And you know, Frankie Edgar a, a, is a tough guy. But he got... I, I don't want to ra- rail on Frankie Edgar. But I just don't think Munoz is that good. So I'm going Rivera, and I'm going Kevin Kroom versus uh, Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres, who is minus 215. Anytime I see a guy like that who's a big-time favorite, you know, Kroom may not be good. He might be good. It honestly doesn't matter when for me when I'm wagering. I just like the number. I see it, and I say, you know what? Because a, f- a fight is a fight. It can go down in any, any way. You might have an inclining, and I might have an inkling one way or the other. But you just never know. Caceres couldn't finish Chase Hooper. Okay? So, I mean, no, no one has been able to. But, I mean, Peter Barrett had him on the, had him on the ropes. So, Kevin Kroom is not that good. Like I said, it's not. it has nothing to do with any of that. It's just... Just what it is, man. And I'm putting together a nice parlay for everyone right here. We got a four teamer plus two six nine eight two thousand six hundred and ninety eight ten dollars will win you two thousand or two hundred and sixty nine dollars. We got Kroom, Rivera, Ankalev, TKO, and Rosenstruck. Please go and cash your wagers, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the prelim fights got Moises and uh, Alexander Hernandez, who Alexander Hernandez got knocked out by Cerrone, if anyone remembers. Uh, you got Cowboy Oliveira fighting some crazy Mega Metal dude. You got Sabina Maza, who I love, versus Alexis Davis. That's a that's a bet. That's a bet because I, I think Sabina Maza is awesome. Alexis Davis is very good, but uh, Maza uses her her distance very well. And Jacoby, Dustin Jacoby, who is a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series guy is definitely a good pick there. I believe he is a favorite of large proportions. Let me give you the final number there. So we got her. I'm going to pick Hernandez minus 205. Uh, Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder. Angela Hill, big favorite. So you might want to dabble with Ashley Yoder, but probably not. Angela Hill is an easy, easy pick there. Uh, Cowboy Oliveira is only plus 104. I believe he's taking this on short notice. If I'm not mistaken, I think I just saw that the other day. So, interesting. So, maybe something to look into. Maybe a little minus 128 on Kermagomedov. Uh, Mazo is minus 220. We got William Knight and Alonzo Menafield, which is a great fight. Two big-ass black dudes. 
uh, Ronnie La- Lawrence and Vince Cachero and Dustin Jacoby and yeah. So there's a lot there's a lot of action on Sunday or Saturday uh, Saturday night. So look forward to it. it starts at five o'clock. So with that with that said, uh, it's a little longer episode. Wow, a little fifty six minute boy. Uh, I thank you for joining me and I thank you for listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. I appreciate all the support and uh, I'll see you soon.